Good morning, guys. Hopefully you're warming up a little bit more, sitting in that full sun. Hey, if you got your Bible, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's go ahead and pray, and then I will dive in here. So Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the, the brotherhood that we have, God, how you've designed our faith to not be alone and to not be by ourselves, God, but the joy and privilege that it is to share life with other people, other like-minded people, other like-hearted people. Lord, thank you for the reminder that we're not the only one out there in this world, Lord. We're not the last prophet, the last Christian out there, God. So we just pray that you'd encourage us, that you'd convict us, Lord, that you'd exhort us, God. Uh, Holy Spirit, we, we trust in you, that you'd fill us afresh and anew. Jesus, we know you said apart from you, we can do nothing. Uh, so we just ask that you'd fill each of us to overflowing to rightly divide your word and rightly apply it. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So the topic I was given is why do we need unity? Why do we need unity? Uh, a quote that came up, it was actually a title of a TV show, was live together or die alone. Live together or die alone. And sometimes we can think, you know, I'd be better off by myself. Maybe during this uh, camping experience, you thought you'd be better off by yourself. The guys that didn't bring food, they're not thinking that they'd be better off by themselves. But uh, maybe you're here thinking, I'd be better off by myself. It's, it's a great reminder to us, especially in this Christian walk of faith, that it's live together or die alone. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, we'll start off, and it tells us, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. And we won't go into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I think this is a great diving board to reveal to us that the Holy Spirit, Jesus our Lord, and God the Father, just like Rich mentioned, all three of them are different, but they're working in unison and they're working the same. And here in these first three verses, we see that it's the Holy Spirit that gives to each man here a different gift. And then there are men here who may have the same type of gift, but then God himself puts it on display and it's poured out in a different manner or in a different way. And then finally, each man is called to a different office, ministry, or position within life, within church, and within our communities, and it's by our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see the beautiful flow of the Trinity, that they're not competing one against another, but they're working one and in unison for a common goal of glorifying God the Father, right? God glorifying His Son, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus tells the disciples, hey, I have to go so that another will come. It's better that I leave and then the Comforter comes and is here and indwells in each and every one of you. And anything that's done in excellence has different parts and different components, each working with their gifts and strengths, but working to a common goal. Right? Rich used the analogy of a football team. And a good football team doesn't just have a good offense, but usually has a good offense and a good defense and a good special teams. Whether it's cooking, right? You need good ingredients. You need good uh, tools. You need a good fire. You need good fuel. You need all three of these things in unison to provide people with something good, maybe even something great. 
And in order to achieve excellence, each of these different people need to use their giftings and execute their mission to the best of their abilities for a common goal. And like we read there, the reason why the Holy Spirit does all these things in verse 7, they're given to each one for the profit of? The profit of all. Right? That's the problem with Saul's mind. Saul's mind thought everything was for his profit, for his benefit, for his kingdom. And what we need to realize is within Christ, it's for the profit of all. It's for the whole body to grow and be blessed and be pleased. If it becomes just about us, if it becomes just about our desires, if it becomes just about our comforts, we soon go off the rails. We've each been given our differences for the profit of all. We jump down to verse 11, and it tells us, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So the first answer to our question, why do we need unity? We need unity because it is the desire and design of God Himself. The reason why we need unity, it is the desire and design of God himself. David Guzik says, the body-like unity of Christians is not a goal to be achieved. It is a fact to be recognized. It's a fact. God made us as a body, every member, every body part, all together, but the head is Christ. It's not something that we have to strive for if we're saved and walking in the spirit. It's just going to happen. And it's so beautiful how he takes each of us from our different backgrounds, different nationalities, different social classes, different cultures, different hobbies, our different quirks and our differences. And then he saves us. He implants the word of God in our lives. He puts that incorruptible seed in our life. And now all of a sudden we are a body. We are a family, right? Around the campfire yesterday, we were having a good time, but there are a couple guys poking at each other's nationalities, right? Poking at who they were and where they're from and how they act. And it's the beautiful differences that God has given us. And he gives us these differences to sharpen one another, to work in one another. This is his design. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Peter says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. This is why if we're double-minded, if we have one mind in the world and one mindset in church, we're not going to be a part of the body and that unity is not going to exist. We need to accept that imperishable seed, the word of God, who Jesus is, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We need to accept him, and then we become part of that body. You could think of the, having the ability to not only adopt a son, but imagine having a magic pill that would give them your DNA, 
And now they pick up on your habits. Maybe they pick up your beard, your hairline, and now they look more and more like you. And that's what Christ does in us. He puts his DNA within each and every one of us once we've accepted him. And then we're able to live for that common goal, which is seeing Christ glorified and edified. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us that the whole purpose of the church is for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And this is why he gives each of us these different gifts, these different positions, and he gives us different ways that these gifts and positions are poured out of our lives to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Who are you building up around you? It's very natural for us in our natural state to cut down one another. It's easy. At each of us, we're given that tongue where we can be sarcastic, we can be harsh, we can be negative, we can always be nitpicking at our brother. And does anybody love it when someone does that to you, right? Oh, my favorite memories with my wife is when she starts nitpicking all of my problems, right? When I, my favorite time with my brothers is when I'm around the fire and everybody's just taking shots at me, right? We're here to build one another up, equip one another for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. Back in 1 Corinthians 12, we continue, verse 15, tells us, If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? At home, I have a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old, and recently they're getting into jokes and would-you-rather questions, right? You could sit there for an eternity. Hey, would you rather do this or would you rather do that? And lately, one of the ones that has them laughing is, hey, would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands, right? But would you rather have hands for feet or feet for hands? We could sit there thinking about it, but that's not the point of the message, right? Would you rather have eyes for ears or ears for eyes? It looked pretty strange just having two ears right here, right? Everybody seeing your hair, your wax, and everything else going on. We need the whole body. And within the church, we shouldn't exclude ourselves because we're different. It's a lie of the enemy. Hey, you're different. No one else is like you. You're just a loner. Nobody gets you. Nobody understands you. You should just exclude yourself. You're not buying into the unity of Christ putting you into the body for that specific reason. Nor should we exclude someone else because they're different than us. Hey, he's not a man's man because he can't do X, Y, or Z. He doesn't belong in our group. Hey, he doesn't think like I do, so he doesn't belong in our group. He doesn't act like I act, so he doesn't belong in our group. He's not my same age, so he doesn't belong in our group. We have to be so careful about that. If Christians truly are the body of Christ... We should never enjoy having a body part excluded from the rest. Right? I saw some pretty big hatchets out there, some pretty big uh, knives and things like that. Would anybody volunteer any of your body parts to be excluded from the rest of your body? Right, you want to have your pinky excluded from the rest of your body? Your arm excluded from the rest of your body? I don't think any of us would volunteer about that. If not, you could pray with Pastor Will and Jeremy afterwards, right? But so often we're quick to push a brother out because they don't act like us 
or because we have one difficulty with them. We've had one situation with them. And then instead of handling things biblically and unifying the body of Christ, we're so quick oftentimes to do the work of the enemy and divide the body. Divide the body. In verse 17, we continue 1 Corinthians 12. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It is God himself that has placed each one of us within the body of Christ and has set each of us within the body as he pleases. We cannot allow our pride to creep in and think, hey, I'm the only member of the body that, member, that matters. Oh, these guys are lucky. These guys are blessed to have me around. We have to be careful and not allow pride to creep in. We also have to be careful to not allow bitterness or anger or resentment to creep in because, hey, someone's the eye of the body and I'm just the foot. Or I'm annoyed because I'm the nose. Everybody's always picking on me and that guy's the hand, right? Or something like that. We have to just trust in the Lord. God's put each of the body members for the specific reason, for the specific purpose. Let's continue to listen to our head, which is Christ Jesus. Another answer to the question, why do we need unity? We need unity because we need one another. Right? Paul went through that thoroughly in, in 1 Corinthians 12. But here's one of the Bible verses that I keep turning to, especially within young adults ministry. It's Proverbs 18 verse 1. I encourage you to turn there. Proverbs 18 verse 1. Great Bible verse to memorize as well. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. It tells us, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Oftentimes we isolate ourselves. We get angry, we get mad, we get bitter, something rubs us the wrong way. And we isolate ourselves. Maybe things are going bad at work. Things are going bad at school or with the family. And instead of pressing into the Lord, instead of pressing into the house of God and being with our brothers, the enemy seeks to have us isolate ourselves away from the church body and away from the Lord. And when we isolate ourselves, we are being driven by selfish and sinful desires. That's what the author here in Proverbs tells us, that whenever we're isolating ourselves, we are seeking our own desires. It's all about self. It's all about what I want, what I feel, what I think. However, if we're seeking to bring God pleasure, we're going to be seeking that unity and being joined to our brothers. Asking them for help. Asking them, saying, hey, I I need prayer on this. In a moment, we'll see, hey, what do you think about this? That's that mindset, that unity in glorifying the Lord and being joined to the body of Christ. When we seek self-gratification, when we seek self-pleasure, that leads us outside of the body. 
even if it's seeking self-pleasure with other believers. It's dangerous. When we seek self-gratification, when we fall into lust, usually it's not in a group of people. You isolate yourself all alone and then you're gratifying yourself. You're jumping into sin. You're choosing to sin. G. Campbell Morgan says, The protest of this proverb is against the self-satisfaction which makes a man separate himself from the thoughts and opinions of others. Such a one finally rages or quarrels with all sound wisdom. When we are only focused on our own comforts and desires, bad things happen. And there's no unity there. When we're just so self-absorbed on what I want, what makes me comfortable and what I like, there is no unity there. Many of us, we talk about being an extrovert or an introvert. The Bible doesn't give specific, oh, you get a break because you're an introvert, right? Hey, you get a break because you're an extrovert. You get a break because you're an introvert, so you don't really have to be a part of the body of Christ. You could just sit, sit out there on the fringes. No. Hey, you're an extrovert. You get a break when you're harsh or, and you talk, right? You're loud and obnoxious to someone. It's okay. God, God's okay with it. No, God uses us with our different gifts, different abilities, and the different ways we've been made to build the body up to unify the body and to seek that common desire, which is to see Jesus Christ glorified. Why do we need unity? Because there's safety there. There's safety there. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 tells us, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Right? When Jeremy started going off on bears, I don't know how many of you guys started getting uh, uh, scared right, or afraid. But when you're a group of 120 guys, you're not that afraid of a bear. And it, there's safety there. There's safety when, when you have a multitude of counselors around you, a multitude of men around you. That's why God has given the body many members. It's not just a one-stop shop. There's no Han Solos in the Bible, right? There's no just going off on your own and blazing your own trail and doing things all by yourself. It's two by two how Jesus sends the disciples. It's a group of 12. It's the mighty men of valor. It's Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas. We need to have other men around us. And what we should be doing is seeking their counsel. Seeking their counsel on matters. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? This is I'm struggling with my wife here. I'm struggling with school here. I'm struggling with this business decision here. It puts our pride to the side and now we're opening our lives up to hear from one another. We could think of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And there he seeks the counsel of his armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14. Verse 6, Jonathan says to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be. That the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here, I am with you according to your heart. And then these two men are able to do mighty things for the Lord and slay so many Philistines. But Jonathan sought the advice of his armor bearer. He asked him, hey, what do you think about this? What do you th- hey, why, why don't we go over there? You, you think maybe God could do something? Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Once again, the safety in unity. It tells us two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. If you know right now you're isolating yourself, you're in a dangerous position. Because if you fall, people aren't going to know what's going on in your life. People aren't going to know what's going on in your mind, what's happening in this season of life. So I encourage you, over the campfire, maybe alone as you're walking with a brother back to a cabin, be honest, be open, tell him what's going on. Tell him those thoughts that are coming to mind. Tell him about those struggles and difficulties that you're going through. Because if you fall, you have that brother to pick you up once again. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. You guys can talk to Jeremy about that afterwards, right? Ask him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Again, why there's safety in being unified. It tells us, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Again, we cannot stir up one another towards love and good works if we're all alone. It's difficult for us sometimes. David does it, right? He stirs himself up. He encourages himself in the Lord. But God's plan for us is to gather together, assemble together, so that we'd stir up love and good works in one another. We need one another. We need this brotherhood. And this is something that even the world is starting to see. The world is starting to see how men need other men. Don't buy into the lie, hey, all I need in life is just my wife and no one else. You need your wife. You're going to be held accountable for how you treat your wife. But you need other men around you to also speak into your life. Because there's moments, I know all of you guys are perfect, but there's moments when I don't listen to my wife, right? When I'm hard-headed. And that's why it's so important to have other men around me to say, no, man, you are being stupid, right? She's right. You are being an idiot. You got to go back there, apologize, and get right with her. We need that group of men around us. Why do we need unity? And this is the last point. Rich mentioned it a bit. Is We need unity because that's how we leave a good legacy. The way we leave a good legacy is by having that unity. Right? Is there that good legacy? Oh, my dad, I loved my dad, right? He was just that hermit. He'd only be by himself. He wanted no one around. He was a grump. He just wanted his liquor and newspaper and push everybody else out. What's the legacy that you want to leave? Again, that's fearful to think that Saul had Jonathan and David, two of the mightiest men ever, and yet his legacy is that he drove them away because of his pride and self-focus. What is your legacy going to be in life? That you drove everyone away that God brought into your life? The older men that he brought into your life to pour into you, that you drove them away because they weren't cool enough or hip enough? 
the young men that God brought into your life, you drove away because they just didn't get it and they dressed weird and they're part of this weird generation. What will our legacy look like? Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And again, that unity can only come from being unified on Jesus Christ, Him being the head. And then if we could go a step deeper, it's by being unified on the Word of God. That's where true unity lies. It's not just, hey, let's just gather together for the sake of unity. What we see from 1 Corinthians 12, what we see from all over the New Testament, is that unity is already there. In Jesus Christ and in the Word of God, the unity is there. And if everybody's holding fast to that unity, and those two people are seeking God's interest instead of their own or someone else's interest, that unity's already there. We just have to keep it. We just have to protect it. We just have to continue to be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That word, that pattern of sound words, we've heard it. You've heard it. You guys are well taught. It's to hear it and now keep it, protect it in faith and love. And we keep it by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That we should be looking for men around us to pour into. And we should also be looking for older men in our lives, older men in our lives in scripture and spiritual maturity to pour into our lives as well. This is God's design. This is his design. He doesn't just want angels preaching the gospel. He doesn't want just angels telling men how to be men. God put the word of God in Paul's life. And then he put it in Timothy's life. And then Timothy put it in the next person's life. And then generations and generations and generations later, now we're here. You're here because some other man had the word of God and that sound doctrine. And he poured it into your life. So are we repeating that process? Are we teaching in kids ministry? Are we in Sunday school? Are we with the young adults, with the youth? Are we pouring into the lives of those around us? We know that Saul shunned Jonathan and David for their victories because he did not get the glory. Who are you concerned with getting the glory of your effort and hard work? Is it all about your self-glorification? Is it all about your self-sacrifice? Is it all about you and you and you? You're going to leave a bad legacy. But if our legacy is to be something worthy, something that hopefully you're hoping for and desiring, we're going to be seeking to give God the glory. And if we're seeking to give God the glory in all our lives, then we're going to be loving husbands. We're going to be loving fathers. There's going to be other men around us that we are going to love and pour into. Saul was focused on Saul's kingdom. David was focused on God's kingdom. And that's why he was able to raise up other giant killers. And this is one of the portions of scripture that moves me most is the idea that David was not the only giant killer after he left Israel. 
After he passed away, he wasn't the only giant killer. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, it tells us that David, he's getting older and older. And it tells us that he's in one battle and he's beginning to grow faint. He's an old man, right? He's getting tired. And yet there's another man that stands up and fights the giant that is seeking to kill David. Abishai, he stands up, he comes to David's aid, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. That's why it's so important, the generations that are represented here. It's not just get in our own group of same-minded people, same-age people, same-nationality people. The many members coming together, jointly fit together, different giftings, different ministries, different way those giftings are poured out to build the body up. Are we seeking to multiply ourselves, to make more of us? You, you're gifted with worship. It's not to just do it by yourself. It's to pour that in to other young men, godly men, men that are filled with the Holy Spirit, and seek to multiply yourself. That's how unity continues to grow. That it doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your background. We're all here to further the kingdom of God. We're all here to honor God and to give Him glory. That's why we need unity because God has created it in a way and a structure that blesses him, that blesses him. It's his design and it's his structure. So why do we need unity? It's the desire and design of God. This is what God has created. He didn't create each of us to go off and do our own thing or be alone or not be accountable. No, he's designed us for this unity. Why do we need this unity? Because we need one another. He hasn't given one man all the giftings that are required to do things for the Lord. He sends us out two by two or in a group of witnesses or a group of elders or a group of men. Why do we need unity? Because there's safety there. There's safety there. There's other men in our lives that can call us out. There's other men that can reveal to us, hey, you have a blind spot. You're not realizing this person, this is where their heart's at. Maybe they have the gift of discernment and you don't. And now they're warning you, hey, they're discerning. That person is going to hurt you later on in life. You got to go at this at a different angle. And finally, why do we need unity? Because that's how we leave a good and a godly legacy. It's because we're unified with one another. We're seeking the interests of God. We're seeking to bless God. And then we can bless our brothers around us, our sisters around us, our spouses, our family members. So... Hey, let's pray. And then I believe now at 11, we dismiss for lunch. So Lord, we just thank you, God. And Lord, I I pray that you would truly implant that word in each and every one of our hearts, Lord. Again, we cry out to you that if any of the men here, Lord, they they haven't accepted you as Lord and Savior, they just want to do things on their own, Lord, we pray that they'd humble themselves before you and just accept that implanted word, Lord. And for each of us, Lord, forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our arrogance, God. Help us to prefer one another, Lord. Help us to follow life after your designs and your plans and not our own plans, our own pride, our own designs, God. So, Lord, we love you. Pray that you'd bless my brothers, Lord. Give us a great time of fellowship, a great time of food. And we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.